Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. This next book looks to transform and heal readers. It's called The King's Daughter, Divinely Orchestrated. It's written by Michelle Davidson, and I'm really happy that Michelle is joining me here right now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about it. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much for having me today. It's a pleasure. Well, the pleasure's all mine. Michelle, can you tell me all about The King's Daughter? What can readers expect here? Well, I would say to you that this book was truly inspired by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't my desire to sincerely write a book, but I realized through my own journey of not knowing and understanding just what the power of salvation did for my life and just the authority I walk in. And so I used this platform to share my journey, to share failures and triumphs, And at the end, understanding just what the power of God's grace, His love, and salvation can do in the life of any believer. Mm -hmm. Michelle, what kinds of readers do you think would get the most out of The King's Daughter? I think a lot of readers that may have been struggling in different areas of their lives, desiring more, wanting to go deeper in their walk with the Lord, would find that this book will really ignite and rekindle probably a flame that needs to be inflamed in their own personal journey and inspire them to do whatever is possible with the Lord. So I think the reader at first, I thought it was women, but I'm finding so many men are enjoying the contents of this book. I think it's pushing both younger and older readers to just maximize life and the potential in Christ. Hmm. Michelle, what was that spark that made you say, hey, I got to sit down and start writing this book. I want to get this thing published. Well, the thing is, is I never thought of myself as a writer. I had a bunch of friends that said to me, the stories that you're sharing with me intimately, the world needs to hear it. Mm. They need to hear how someone like yourself who was told you would never have children or, you know, come from areas where you were so impoverished and never thought, you know, the basic needs that we have could be met. And then to be in a place of overflow. So just for people that watched my life to just see what God did and how he elevated me through faith, they encouraged me to share my journey, share my story. And ultimately, I just honored the voice of the Lord that told me to go ahead and and do this project. Hmm. Michelle, I could imagine that writing something like this would have taken you a long time. Was that the case? It took me living it out for 20 years. It took me two months to write the book. Mm. (laughs) So I lived this. I lived every page. So I poured my heart out in this book. I was just very honest and very intimate with the readers. So it took 20 years of my journey to be able to get to a place to write down and document my memoir. But it really took about two to three months to finish the full draft of the book. And when it came to actually getting it published, what was the most challenging part about that whole process for you? So when I wrote the book, I wasn't really sure where it was headed. I wasn't sure if I would be published, if I would self-publish the book. It's a very interesting story. My husband and I was watching the Super Bowl 2021, this first, the beginning of this year, January, actually, of 2022. And Christian Faith Publishing happened to just come across the screen on an ad. 
And he said, I feel good about this company. Why don't you mm. send him your manuscript? And within a week or two, I went from not sure what would happen with the contents of my manuscript to being, you know, signed by Christian Faith to produce this book. What was it like when you got that first physical copy and you get to hold your book for the first time? Coming from where I come from, from all I've been through, it was just really overwhelming to see what God was able to do in my life and what he could do with obedience. Because when it comes down to it, if I didn't obey and answer the call to write the book and to do the project, the moment I held the book would never have been reality. So just to know that you can honor God with your life and obey his call, his instructions, and he can glorify himself in the work that is produced and the outcomes. So it was just awesome. It was just an awesome moment for me and my family because we've walked this journey together. Michelle, do you think you'll be doing more writing, more publishing in the future? I have two more books <laughs> that I'm inspired to write, one for married couples and other one that will really speak to raising children. I know a lot of lives are going to be touched by this book. It's titled The King's Daughter, Divinely Orchestrated. It's written by Michelle Davidson, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find this one everywhere, of course, like at Amazon, at Barnes & Noble, on iTunes, and at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Michelle, it's been wonderful speaking with you here tonight and learning all about the King's Daughter and everything that you got coming up. Thanks again for joining me. Thank you so much for having me and have an amazing rest of your day. Our Dream House. It's the new book. It's in stores right now, written by Janet Lombard Clements. And Janet is sitting right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk all about it. Janet, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. So, Janet, can you tell me all about our dream house? Well, it's a story about a rabbit family who actually, in my opinion, lived in like 1905. And <laughs> uh, it's old world kind of. It's just basically telling you about the events that happened to this particular family, like in three-fourths of the year, from spring, summer to fall. And just the things, just things they encountered during that time. Hmm. What sorts of readers do you think would be really into our dream house, Janet? I hope everybody, but <laughs> I kind of focus it on a younger generation. Uh, I know people today are not into old school, the young people, but I kind of like wanted them to see how some people used to live back in the day, mostly like from age 7 to 13 or 14. From what I understand, um, some people say anybody they could read it because they may remember some of the things in the past and uh, relate to it and, you know, just might enjoy reading it. So it's just a light story, nothing heavy, you know. Hmm. Janet, how did this book come about? How did you get the idea to write it? Well, actually, I was living in Illersheim, Germany at the time. I was staying on an army base with my son and his family. And uh, I spent a lot of time in my room. And then when I wasn't in my room, I would spend time in the library over there. And so I would bring all my papers with me. And when I just didn't have anything to do, I would just sit down. And it's like I was drawn to a table to sit and write. And then I just picked up a pen and paper and just started writing. I don't even know where that. I just, just came flowing, you know, like from the grace of the Holy Spirit. It just kept flowing out of me. And the more I wrote, the more I had to write. And every time I would set the pen down, I got right back up and had to go back to it because more ideas was just coming through my head and I couldn't stop them. But me, if I don't write things down right away, I will forget them. And sometimes in the middle of actually writing, more ideas were streaming through my head and I can't, 
I tried to hurry up and get through writing what I was already had started writing and then try <laughs> to get through the new stuff, you know, before I forget it. Wow. So is this a quick write then for you, Janet? Yeah, well, I mean, when I finally finished it, I went back on to writing other stories. I just couldn't stop writing. So it was me doing the writing, but it was the Holy Spirit writing through me. Hmm. Is this the first time you've been published, Janet? Yes, it has been. It's the first time I submitted anything. Wow. Congratulations. It's such a huge deal to do that. So much time and work goes into writing a book and then getting it published. What was that moment like when you finally got that first hard copy in and you got to hold this thing you've been working on? It was it was surreal. I still don't believe it, mm-hmm. even though, um, like I said, I'm holding it in my hand. But I'm saying, who is this person? <laughs> you know, I don't know this person. So, and I had to realize this is me. Okay, <laughs> this is not like me to think about achieving anything like this. You know, mm-hmm. in my life. So you said you were writing other stories. So you plan on publishing more now in the future? Well, um, yes. Um, hopefully, I'm su- I'm submitted something else. I know it's too early to hear back from them because I'm still, you know, getting this promoted, this book here promoted. But I did submit something, and um, hopefully, I'm crossing my fingers and praying, and hopefully, maybe the second one I submit will be accepted too. A lot of people listening to us right now, Janet, are authors who are just starting out. So, do you have any advice that you could give them? Write about what you know. Just write about what you know, and it's all I can say any more about that. You have a passion to write, Janet. What is the most rewarding aspect to you about getting your word out there, being a published author now? Well, I kind of like wish I could give feedback, hmm. you know, from someone just to let me know how they did they enjoy the story, how did they feel when they read it. <laughs> I don't could, did they take anything away from reading it, but it, you know, just enjoyment. You know, if you had that, let me know some kind of way. If, if I hadn't heard too much about whether anybody liked it or not, so. That's the only thing I'm concerned about. Does somebody actually like it mm. and enjoy reading it? That's what I like to know. I think a lot of readers are really going to love this book. The title is Our Dream House. It's written by Janet Lombard Clements, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get this everywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Janet, thanks again for coming on the show, telling me about our dream house. I had a really nice time talking with you. Thank you, Corey. I enjoyed speaking with you as well. This book is a thrilling sci-fi ride, and more. It's called Crystal Child, the Diamond Star Saga. The author is Carol Kaufman, and I'm really happy that Carol is joining me right now here on the show, and we get to chat all about it. Carol, welcome. Thank you for being here tonight. Well, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about this. Well, I'm excited, too. This book sounds really exciting. Can you tell me all about Crystal Child? Well, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty long saga, but it is very exciting. It, as you said, is a sci-fi, and I would call it a sci-fi plus thriller. And it centers on a, a young girl from Minnesota whose rather ordinary life is suddenly totally shattered when she finds herself in a world that's so strange and so bizarre that she is certain she's got to be dreaming. But slowly, she learns the truth. She's been teleported to a star by a group of brilliant scientists. And on that star, they have found a prophecy claiming that Crystal alone needs to be responsible for saving humanity from a complete annihilation. She knows this is a colossal mistake. She's only 13, for one thing. 
And the other thing, she's got an attention deficit disorder. Hmm. And as most kids with ADD, the harder she tries to think, the more her brain freezes. She just is thinking this has to be a cosmic joke. But as she tries to find answers, her adventures kind of take her from Earth to the Diamond Star to Cancri E, which is a planet about 40 light years away from Earth. And it's a real planet, actually. You can Google that. And this is where the robotic, terrifying thugs live. So that's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to give away the plot, but just say this is a complex saga, which ultimately shows the power of compassion and teamwork and pure grit to overcome all obstacles. And with Crystal, it shows her you don't have to have superpowers to save the earth. Sometimes just being who you are is enough. That's it in a nutshell. I love it. Wow, it sounds like quite a ride. Carol, where'd you get the idea for this? As with a lot of ideas, it just came very serendipitously. I was, and I don't even remember what I was Googling way back. I think it was about 2015. But you know how you go to a link and that leads to another link and another link and (laughs) something popped up and they said, scientists have discovered a star that is about 50 light years from Earth and it is down to a white dwarf, as they call them which is basically a giant cinder of carbon. And we know that carbon is diamond. So they theorize that basically what you have in the sky is a gigantic diamond. In fact, they called it Lucy. And this is actually true. It's something you can look up. And I thought to myself, ooh, that'd make a good children's story, (laughs) a kid's book. I think I'm going to start writing something. And that's the only goal I had in mind when I started writing it. And then somehow the settings and the characters just took on a life of their own. I've heard other authors say that. And I I think to myself, what do they mean? But now I know. (laughs) They just came to me and that's how it started. Was Crystal Child intended for younger readers then, would you say? Yeah, it was strange at first because Crystal is almost 13 and, and her birthday's in five days. And that's the big day that the world is either supposed to be saved or annihilated. And so something is going on with her birthday. When I first started out, I started reading all the rules for children's literature. And I found out, oh, my goodness, if if the protagonist is only 13, then your readers have to be nine. And other things, how many pages? It can only be 200 pages. And I went to my consultant who taught fiction writing at The Ohio State University. And she said, Carol, just write your story. So I did. And it ended up breaking some rules. So I would say that generally it would be for upper middle grades, Mm. but depending on the child and his or her interests, what I envision is parents and children reading this book together Mm. because there are a lot of issues that children are going through in this day and age, and it would be great to have an adult discuss these things with them. Mm. I know a lot of readers are really going to love this book and ought to check it out. The title is Crystal Child, The Diamond Star Saga. This is written by Carol Kaufman, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can grab this one anywhere, like at Amazon and Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Carol, thank you again for coming on the show and chatting with me about your work. I had a really nice time tonight. Okay, I, I really enjoyed it, too. Thank you so much. I'm really delighted right now to be speaking with author Brenda Bell here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Brenda, thank you so much for joining me here today. Oh, thank you for having me. 
Well, it's my pleasure to have you. I'm really excited to see that you have a new book in stores now. It's titled, He Has Given Us the Kingdom, Authority in the Unseen Realm. Can you tell me all about the book? Well, this book is about the kingdom that Jesus came to set up and the authority that he gave us to function in it. It seems that most of what he taught was concerning the kingdom, and he told his disciples that he had come to give them the mysteries of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And most of his teaching explains these mysteries. And he explained to them how things are going to change, and he was about to defeat Satan and turn the authority over to them because in the beginning, Adam and Eve turned the authority over to Satan in the garden. And so Satan actually had authority over the earth at this time when Jesus came, but he came to destroy the works of the devil and turn it over to his followers. And he even compared it to a man going into a far country and leaving his servants in charge. And he said that they were going to be better off because of this, because he was giving them the Holy Spirit to go along with them and to help them, and that he would give them the keys to this kingdom, and whatever they, they were going to have the authority to do whatever they wanted to do, that he would back them up, whatever they bound or disallowed, that he would back them up his power from heaven, because he was giving them the authority to do it, but he was going to back it up with his power. Mm. And it's about using this book and our authority and speaking our faith-filled words and seeing things change in the situations in our life. Most people have not been taught that they have this authority. They just think whatever will be, will be, and they just try to deal with it. But I believe that Jesus came to teach us that we have the authority to control our situations and our circumstances. And the book goes back to the beginning, actually, when the king was born. And I explained the rights of the king's family and how monarchs are created. And I have chapters on the ambassador, the rights that an ambassador has when they go into a foreign country because they actually don't operate under the laws of the country they're in. They operate in the laws of the country that they're sent from, mm -hmm. which is what we do. We operate from the authority of God and heaven, and we don't have to succumb to the things that try to overtake us in this life. And there's just a lot of people that have the ability to change their situation, but they don't know. They have never been taught. Mm -hmm. Brenda, what inspired you to write this? What gave you the idea for He Has Given Us the Kingdom? Well, I don't really know. I study a lot, and I write a lot of notes, but they don't all become books. But sometimes the Holy Spirit would just press something on my mind as I'm reading, maybe a word that I've never thought about before. And then I'll remember that, oh, I've wrote about that somewhere, and I'll look it up. And then he just leads me from there. The first book I wrote, I was on a business trip in El Salvador and would go out in the mornings because those people kind of tend to sleep late and I don't. Mm -hmm. And I would start writing and the content would come to me so fast that I couldn't hardly write it down fast enough. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I wouldn't even know what I was writing until I saw it come off the end of my pen. And it's just an inspiration that I have that it just comes. And that book came in two weeks. This one took a lot longer. <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of people are going to be blessed by this book. It's titled, He Has Given Us the Kingdom, Authority in the Unseen Realm. It's written by Brenda Bell, and it's published by Covenant Books. 
You can find it everywhere like Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and iTunes and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Brenda, thank you again for joining me here and telling me all about your work. I had a really nice time. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. The Gatekeeper, What God Created the Man to Be. It's the name of the new book in stores right now, written by Dr. Jerry Tallow, and he's sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Jerry, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Corey. Appreciate you having me. It's great to be talking with you today. Can you tell me all about The Gatekeeper? What's the book all about? So it's really driven by my worldview that developed my life message from four decades in ministry that basically this, the particular spiritual DNA that God put into Adam as the male species at creation that determined what he was destined to be and do is at the core of this book. And so God made him to be the gatekeeper of the Garden of Eden, which meant to work and guard it which means that he was supposed to protect it and make it prosperous. Mm. And the book discusses that whole philosophy and how it transfers to the man and his family. At the fall, that DNA was marred when the serpent showed up. Jesus Christ restored it. And so the book talks about the worldview of a man as the gatekeeper to his household today, regardless of what condition the home is in, what it looks like in society today, and how men can walk it out in modern culture. Hmm. Who are you writing this book for, Jerry? What kinds of readers do you think would be into it the most? Well, obviously men, starting in their teens. I'm not a huge fan of adolescent. Kind of lean toward the worldview that even a late teen can be a young man. Young men in their 20s and 30s and 40s, whether they're single or married, this is for them. It's for their spouses. It's for their girlfriends who want a noble husband and father. It's for grandparents or parents of older sons who want to show their boys what the scripture teaches they were made to be. So it's not so much about manhood. It's about the man's real DNA. It's for older dads who have wayward kids that can win them back. I would say it's for my fellow pastors that want to call their men up to nobility. Jerry, you said this is the product of decades in the ministry. Did this take you a long time then to write and publish? I would say the whole process, of course, it's my first book, other than a dissertation I wrote, but that was a different animal. So I would say the whole process with the publisher, beginning to end, including all my writing, was, I don't know, 12 to 18 months, something like that. I'd assume you learned quite a bit writing and publishing The Gatekeeper. What advice would you have to authors who are just starting out? (laughs) Well, I would say, and this may sound a little strange, make sure that you understand the principles of communication and the English language. You have to believe in your subject matter. You have to own it. And you have to put the time in to do credible research with credible sources. I mean, if you looked at my book and read it, my source is the scriptures. I worked hard not to veer from that. And I consider it the most credible source there is. And I would say this, I've been writing a long time. You write in small chunks, right, Corey? You eat the elephant one bite at a time. That's right so to speak. So I would say, you know, take a goal of 
five pages at a time, get it done, go to the next five or 10 at a time and write five days a week. Pick a time you're going to write and stick to it. Basic discipline, nothing complicated, basic discipline. Mm. There's a lot of time and a lot of hard work that goes into this kind of thing. So what was it like for you, Jerry, whenever you got the first hard copy of The Gatekeeper and got to hold it in your hands and look at it for the first time? What was that moment like for you? I mean, it was a bit surreal. There was tremendous gratitude because of what God had done and, you know, everyone that supported me in it. There was excitement. And I mean, I think I was inspired to keep writing. And I think readers will get a lot out of this book. It's titled The Gatekeeper, What God Created the Man to Be. This is written by Dr. Jerry Tallow, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere. Jump online, grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and iTunes. You can also get it down the street at your local bookstore. Jerry, it's been really fantastic speaking with you here tonight. Thank you again for joining me. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks so much. The Alchemist's Journey. It's the new novel. It's in stores now by Jeff Curlin, and he's sitting right here with me now to tell me all about it. Jeff, thanks for being here with me tonight. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's great that The Alchemist's Journey is out there for readers now. Can you tell me what they can expect? Hopefully a fast read, you know, one that pulls them through, keeps them excited, keeps them going. It is a fantasy book set in modern times involving a protagonist who has had to deal with some tragedy and is, you know, in pursuit of those who have turned his life upside down. Hmm. Would you say this was geared mostly towards fantasy fans then? I would say so. I would say fans of like Jim Butcher's Stress and Files or other urban uh, fantasy novels, I think, would enjoy this novel. Mm. And Jeff, where'd the idea for this story come from? It's actually characters that I kind of thought up over the years. For a long time, in response to reading a book or thinking a movie, I would, in my own mind, think, you know, what would I do? What kind of character would I create for this? Mm. Never with any idea of actually putting them in a book. But when I actually did sit down to try and write a novel, I decided to see if I could do something with these, if I could come up with a coherent story. And so that's what I did. Mm. I sat down and figured a through line for the different various scenes I created in my head over, you know, maybe a decade, then just put it down into print. Mm. Is this the first time you've written a novel then? Yeah, it is actually. Kind of an interesting thing about that for me is something I've always been interested in. I've been reading books since I was a child when I was young, you know, before we had internet and video games and all. That's where I spent my time most. You know, I would read novels. I'd read it, you know, a book or two a week. And it was one of the things if anybody asked, I would have said, you know, like I could pick, you know, the career for me would be novelist. But for whatever reason, I had actually convinced myself that I couldn't do it. I was thinking, I, you know, I can come up with some ideas for characters, but I don't really have a story in me. You know, I, mm. I can't put these all together in one story. I just never thought that I would ever do it. But in 2019, I got laid off. And then we through COVID and everything, I maybe kind of think about like, what should I be doing, you know, with all this free time I have? <laughs> I had talked to my brother and he had said that basically through some of our correspondence, he said, you know, you're actually a pretty good writer. And I was like, really? <laughs> and so I just thought and thought, and I, you know, I was like, ah, I really don't know what else I want to do with where I am in my life. So man, I can at least try. So I did. I sat down and it just kind of flowed. And I started, you know, I was realizing, wow, this is this is awesome. I am happier doing this than anything else I've done. And 
it was just an exciting thing to be done and to see it all come together. And you know, even in writing, I'm like, do I have a novel in me or do I only have a short story or do I have a novella? Well, 120,000 words later, <laughs> I had a novel. So thought I would put it out there and, and hopefully people will like it. Absolutely. Jeff, I'm glad you made wise use of all that time. Have you given thought to a sequel maybe to this? Oh, yeah. I'm actually about 20 chapters into a sequel right now. Wonderful. And when you got the first copy in of The Alchemist's Journey, after all that time of writing it and just basically seeing it on the computer screen, you got to hold that first one in your hands. What was that moment like for you, Jeff? It's almost like <laughs> it's very akin to holding our firstborn child when they were born. Mm. You know, I'm not going to say that the emotions were exactly the same, but, you know, this is something that I have done. And for me, it was never, you know, I, I'm not sitting there thinking, you know, all right, you know, now we're off and rolling, the money's going to start pouring in. No, this was an accomplishment, a personal accomplishment that I did, something I never thought I could do. And holding it in my hands, it was just, it was so exciting and gratifying and fulfilling. Mm. I encourage my readers to check this novel out. It's called The Alchemist's Journey. It's written by Jeff Curlin, and it's published by Fulton Books. Of course, you can get this everywhere. Grab it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, Google Play, and traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Jeff, thank you again for joining me here tonight, telling me about The Alchemist's Journey and everything you're doing. I hope we can chat sometime again soon. Thanks a lot. I appreciate you having me on. I'll admit I have a real soft spot for animals, especially man's best friend. So I'm excited to talk about this next book. It's called A Daily Dose of Joy. The author is Cass Mance, and she's right here with me now to talk about it. Cass, thank you so much for joining me here tonight. Absolutely. My pleasure. It's my pleasure to be speaking with you. Can you tell me about A Daily Dose of Joy and what readers can expect here? Yes. It's a true story, and it's about a dog that was surrendered to rescue. She came in with a very badly deformed right foot and leg, and so she had to have an amputation of, her, of that joint. And she became one of the many dogs that are known and are described as tripods. And that's a word that describes an animal that has lost one of its limbs, either through a birth defect or an amputation, and then they only have three left, therefore tripod. It was important to me because I worked rescue for years, and I wanted to make a book that would encourage and be support to people who are going through health issues and especially issues regarding major surgeries. So my book is really about an appreciation for the volunteers in rescue because they work so hard and so are so dedicated, and also providing an option plan for a family who can't keep their pet any longer for various reasons and letting them know that it's okay to surrender it to a rescue. And then also, my personal experience with having had two dogs who became tripods at completely different ages in their lives provided me with the insight to offer support, suggestions, and encouragement to others facing health issues with their own pets. The book isn't just about Joy being a tripod. It's about the whole journey we took with her with other health issues that she had as well. It's really a short book. It's got lots of pictures. And it's an upbeat, true story filled with the, what we experience as the enrichments of our golden retriever, Joy, and how she brought so much love and, and so much success in her journey. And we just share the challenges with her. Mm, sounds so wonderful. Cass, can you go back and think about when you got the idea, the inspiration to sit down, write this book, and publish it? Sure. 
because, like I said, I worked rescue and I was for years and I was doing a daily dose of joy reports or emails to the people in rescue that were walking the journey with us. So I kind of made a journal of all these reports that I had written to them. After a few years, I decided, hey, this might be a great book. So I kind of just started putting it together. And I will admit, it took me probably about two or three years to really sit down and complete the book. I'm getting, I'm just so pleased because I've had such wonderful experience with people that have read it and comments coming through to me and the reviews that are on the Amazon and Barnes and Noble websites. It's just so encouraging. And of course, now they want to know when the next book is going to come out. (laughs) (laughs) That was my next question. When is your next one coming out? I think we're going to wait a long while for that. <laughs> I figure I, must, I I started this book when I was probably 75 or 76 years old, and it's a lot to take on. I have a husband that's a stroke survivor, so I'm a sole caregiver for him. It was just a way of me being able to stay home with him and write the book and yet be where I needed to be and, and devoting my time to what I needed devoted to. And Cass, I can only imagine that moment when you got the first hard copy of A Daily Dose of Joy in and you got to hold it in your hands, you got to look at it for the first time. What was that moment like for you? Didn't you hear me scream and yell and jump? (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised if you didn't because it took about a year to get it published. And I feel so strongly that I went to the right publisher because Covenant is fantastic to work with. Mm. And I just really had all my questions and concerns addressed and it turned out perfect. It just turned out perfect. And, and, it, and it was quite an experience when it arrived in the mail, believe me. And I also said to myself, Cass, you really did this. <laughs> well, this sure sounds like a wonderful book. I think a lot of people are going to love it. It's called A Daily Dose of Joy. It's written by Cass Mance, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can snatch this one up everywhere, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and down the street at your local bookshop. Cass, thank you again for joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable and telling me all about joy and all about your work. I hope we can talk again sometime. I hope so, too, Corey. It's been my pleasure, and I encourage anybody who is wondering about the book to even go into the websites of the places you mentioned because they do allow you to have an introduction, read the introduction, and look through a few of the pictures. It's a great way to go, and you've got a book inside of you. You just need to get it written. Author K.R. Snook returns to the Reader House Author Roundtable to talk about her exciting second book. Karen, welcome back to the show. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks so much for having me back. Well, it's really exciting. Your new book is called Armed with God. It's the second in your series, so can you tell me about it? Absolutely. So Armed with God, following One with God, is basically a introduction to the archangels a little differently than what we've had out there. It kind of introduces them on a more personal note for people. Hmm. Personally, and I believe that this was given me to put out as a message that these angels are here for all of us to utilize their tools and apply them to our everyday life, knowing that they're there. These are a gift from God that they help us to better our daily lives. That's why I called it Armed with God, because you're basically arming yourself with the most protective angelic beings that are available to us. Hmm. Karen, who are you writing this book for? Hopefully everybody. I believe that I was given this information to write down, and I still go back and read it. It's very helpful for the soul. I think we're in a very hard time in life right now, and people need to start looking a little deeper within and just kind of healing their own selves as opposed to worrying about, like, the world as bad as it is. 
when we can learn to heal ourselves from the inside out, then the world is a lot more tolerable and we, we know where we fit, how to make it a better place to live in the end. The first book, of course, you co-authored, and this one you authored all on your own. So what was that process like? Was it longer? Was it more difficult? Not really. I think I grew a whole lot as an author on the first book with the help of my friend Jimmy. Hmm. I actually was more than happy to have him collaborate with me and do it with me again. And when I sent him the first draft, like he just basically didn't feel like he need, that I needed him anymore. <laughs> Between those two things, it, this one just felt a little easier, smoother. Yeah, I felt like I could do it on my own on this one okay. Karen, does that feeling ever get old whenever you get the first copy in like you did the first book and you get to hold it for the first time? It's still not old. It's still, I'm not very good at promoting myself. So I've got to learn how to get in little local stores and try and promote it a little bit better. And I'm working on that. But I love to give them away to people. I've given out so many and received very well, like very much positive feedback from people. I think it really, I think that they help. I think that they just kind of are reminders of what we all have within ourselves that we kind of forget about because of daily lives. Mm. And I understand that a third book in this series is on the way. Yes, we just completed it. It's actually going to print right now. That should be out in another couple of months where they're available, it takes a couple of months for everything. (laughs) So that's another one that's following up and it where this one teaches you to arm yourself and the tools that you can carry with yourself daily in life. And the third book will be more about protecting your own boundaries. And it talks a lot about empaths and basically how to protect your own energy from the dark of the world. How do you stay in a good place in yourself? Hmm. I feel like they're just very helpful little, they're very small. They're very easy reads. They're just reminders, feel good reminders of we all have somebody out there that cares about us. Do you think then that the third book will complete the series or are you thinking of going beyond that? I believe it's going to be extended in at least another one, maybe possibly two more. Hmm. And um, I'm just beginning the work on the fourth one. It's quite a ways away. But basically, when I wrote the first one, I felt very, very channeled or very pulled to. I kind of felt like I had a message then that there would be five in the series. So fourth is coming pretty easy. Fifth one, I'm not even sure what it's going to be about yet. So because <laughs> I don't want to get redundant, you know, I don't want to get where it's the same thing over and over. And as you keep publishing and keep writing, I'm sure that you keep learning more and more things along the way, Karen. So what now would you tell authors who are just starting out? I would tell them there's no set way to do it. I believe that the most important step, if you want to write something, everybody has a story in them. They can be truthful. They can be fiction. They can be about science fiction. They can be anything. Some Everybody has something that kind of excites them on the inside. And if they can figure out how to start like just making notes and organizing them in, in little sections where you can create your own little chapters or your own little sections of the book. But I think that the key is just start writing a journal that is in your head, anything that you're thinking. And as you continue to write, if you do that for three to four weeks, you will see a book form. That's great advice. Thank you. I know a lot of my listeners are going to love this book. It's titled Armed with God. It's written by K.R. Snook, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. Of course, you can find this everywhere, like Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Well, Karen, it's been wonderful chatting with you here again. Thank you so much for telling me about the second in the series, and I hope we get to talk about the third. Absolutely. Always a pleasure, and I look forward to talking again. 
We all have a bad day sometimes, and the new book by Laudia Ortiz reminds readers that there are always better times ahead. The book's title is On a Good Day, and I'm talking with Laudia right now. Laudia, welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much. Can you tell me all about what readers can find in On a Good Day? On a Good Day is a good snuggle up with the family, snuggle up with a close friend, or if you're a veteran, you probably would love the sense of humor that I have for projecting this book out to everyone. It's a beautiful book about loving your family, loving someone, and having faith and trust in God to always be there for you. Laudia, what kinds of readers do you think would really be into this? The types of readers who would be interested in this are children and young readers who love adventures by reading books and trying to socialize with people and trying to get in touch with God. Hmm. When it comes to writing and publishing, is this the first time you've done something like this? Publishing-wise, yes. I always have a great storyline around, lying around somewhere, but publishing, this is my first publish, and it won't be the last. Well, that's fantastic. Is this going to be part of a series, do you think, or are you going to write some other kinds of books? Of course. I've got some more things that Prusion is getting into. Ladia, you said you love to write. So to you, what's the most rewarding aspect of it all, especially now that you're published? The most rewarding aspect of it all would be nurturing everyone in an adventure with their lives through education and loving God. Being this is your first published work, did it take you a long time to write and then put through all those publishing hoops? It did not. I, you know, I have so much fun entirely writing that I just have like things sitting around and this just happened to be that one beautiful doll-like book in the window that your kid would love to me. So I just had to have this one. I had to have this one out. I knew I could do something with this one mm. if I put it together. Laudia, it sounds like writing comes so easy for you. Do you ever get writer's block or anything like that? I do. It's not easy to sit down all day and write something, but I keep everything on my easel. You know, I have a writer's easel even to hold my books up for me. I keep everything there if I'm having writer's block, and I always come back to it. Sometimes rereading things over and over helps with writer's block for me. You know, I don't let it get the best of me at all. Mm, that's great. A lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out on this whole thing. So, Laudia, do you have any advice that you could offer them? Never give up with your intuitions on things. Mm. What you like matters to you. What you like will matter to everyone. Never give up on what you love and what you're enjoying because it's going to make you happy. Mm. Laudia, when it comes to children's books, the illustrations are so important. Can you tell me how you went about that? I knew that I wanted her to have a fun, coily, kinky-looking look to her, you know? Like something that was standing out to me a lot, a great deal. And I put this streamer in her hair, and I wanted, to her, I wanted her to have ponytails. I wanted there to be a beautiful bluebird and some flowers. I wanted there to be a beautiful nail on Prusion, something that readers would really enjoy and get into and can relate to even to bring it out to make it look a little bit more realistic. And Laudia, are you the kind of writer who tries to sit the same time every day, maybe at the same place and write? Or do you find yourself writing whenever you find the ideas are coming to you? Whenever ideas come to me, I sit and I pit them together. That's the best 
time. You know, I can jot down things as I go. Like, it'll be a here and there thing. Like, maybe that's a good idea. I'll just write it down and leave it. But, you know, normally it comes on a day where I'm just at my computer and frustrated with everything and I want to write my own stuff. That's when the wonders come into it, you know. Mm. And I just put it all together with everything that I've been piecing together along the way. And it comes together so beautifully when it's like that. I know a lot of readers are going to love this book. It's titled... On a Good Day. It's written by Ladia Ortiz, and it's published by Covenant Books. Of course, you can pick this up everywhere, online, grab this at Amazon and Barnes & Noble and iTunes, and also at traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Ladia, it's been wonderful speaking with you here today. Thank you so much for telling me all about On a Good Day, and I hope we can chat again sometime. Oh, great. That would be so great. Thank you so much for the opportunity. It was wonderful. I'm happy to be sitting down with author Sammy Anson Pierce right now here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Sammy, thanks for being here with me tonight. Yeah, you're most welcome. It's my pleasure to be here. It's really great to have you here. I just wanted to say congratulations for having a new book out in stores. It's titled Black Sheep Ace, Flying Sergeant Sammy Alpheus Pierce. Can you tell me about it? The subject is actually my father. Hmm. I decided to write this book because he actually had a very interesting story. He was a young enlisted man, only about 19 years old when he first tried to get into pilot training. But at that time, he had to be 21 and had to have completed three semesters of college to become an officer. And of course, he was a couple of years underage, and he would apply to pilot training periodically. He thought that if he was obnoxious enough, that they would let him in. So he happened to be a crew chief in Randolph when he found out that the Army Air Force was going to start allowing enlisted men to attend pilot training. Hmm. This was just before Pearl Harbor, but I assume that the Army Air Force realized they didn't have enough pilots. Hmm. And it was a matter of time before we ended up in World War II. And while he was waiting to hear back on his application, he was transferred to Enid, Oklahoma. And when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, he was having lunch with the sheriff of Enid. <laughs> Very shortly after that, just a few weeks, he found out he was accepted to pilot training. He started as a private first class. But when he graduated, you were promoted to flying sergeant, which at the time was equivalent of a, a staff sergeant rank. Hmm. He was lucky enough to get fighters. They could go to bombers, cargo aircraft, or fighters. When he finished the fighter training, he was sent to the Pacific Theater, the Southwest Pacific, and was shipped out to Australia. And when he finally arrived in Australia with seven other flying sergeants who had finished fighter training with him, the 49th Fighter Group was in New Guinea at the time, and that's the fighter group that all seven of those flying sergeants were sent to. He was sent to New Guinea to fly P-40s, and he had a tour in P-40s. He ended up shooting down three confirmed Japanese aircraft while he was in New Guinea. Wow. At one point, he was in a four-ship that was on the north side of New Guinea, and they were trying to protect a, a naval convoy. And when it was time for them to return to base, a squall line had formed over the Owen Stanley Mountains, and they couldn't get home. They couldn't get through the thunderstorms. So they knew they were going to run out of gas, and they were trying to figure out you know, what to do. And the Australian Army had created a beachhead called Scarlet Beach, and they tried to find it, but the weather moved down over the coast, 
down over the beaches, and three of the four bailed out, and the fourth man actually spotted Scarlet Beach through a sucker hole, and he was able to dive down and crash land on the beach. My dad landed one quarter mile from the Japanese Army Division headquarters. So it took him five days to get from where he landed down to the Australian beachhead. But he had severely damaged his left shoulder when he bailed out. It was torn out of socket and all the ligaments were torn. He couldn't lift his left arm. My gosh. He was sent to Australia for surgery. And then they made him go back to the States for rehab. And while he was in rehab, he flew P-51 Mustangs as a test pilot and then as an instructor pilot. And when MacArthur was getting ready to invade the Philippines, he was recalled to the Pacific. And then he flew P-38 through the rest of the war, through the Philippines, Okinawa, finally at Suki, Japan after the surrender. In P-38, he achieved four more confirmed kills. So he was an ace at the end of the war with seven confirmed kills, five probables. And he had progressed in rank from the flying sergeant up to he was a captain and operations officer of his squadron at the end of the war. I really think a lot of people are going to enjoy this fantastic story of your father, Sammy. It's titled Black Sheep Ace, Flying Sergeant Sammy Alpheus Pierce. It's written by Sammy Anson Pierce, and it's published by Fulton Books. You can get this everywhere, online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and Google Play, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Sammy, thank you again for joining me tonight and telling me all about your extraordinary father. I hope we can talk again. I would like that. Like I said, I really enjoyed writing the book, and I enjoyed telling people about my father. He had quite a legacy. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m., or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first.